This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dustin Gold Standard. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to pain.tv/slash gold. Big news, folks. Uh, Maggie and I just ordered Willie G, a strap on harness seat with a tray so he could sit in any chair. So, over here next to me, folks, I've got this gold chair. <laughs> Not as cool as the gold chair that I sit in, but this gold chair. Uh, I also have a leather office chair. So on Friday, I'm going to be able to strap that thing on the chair and see how well it works. And maybe we can get Willie G on the show for, you know, five or ten minutes every day. That's about as long as he can sit still. <laughs> He is on the move now, folks. You put him in the crib, he's rolling over back and forth. Next thing you know, you move him to his rocker. Then he doesn't want to be in the rocker. Then he goes over to the swing. Then we just got this uh, bouncy harness for him, but he's, he's not big enough to go in there yet. And then he's got his walker, which he's just on the verge of being able to handle that himself. Then he's got the crib. Then he's got a... Uh, blanket on the floor with some of his play stuff. I mean, it's getting to be very exciting. He's on the move. He likes to try to sit up. He's getting close to being able to sit up by himself. Uh, pretty amazing for 14 weeks watching watching this little guy grow. And now he holds a conversation with you. Not that you know what he's saying, but uh, I don't know what 90% of the people I communicate with in real life are saying. So he's right up there. He's about the average IQ of a normal middle-aged person now in the United States. So it's uh, pretty amazing. So we'll see if we can get him on the show. Update on Glenda, powered by OpenAI's chat GPT. I was playing around with today. It's it's quite complex, ladies and gentlemen, but I found a software where I can take this animation I created of Glenda. I've just been playing around with it in between. I don't have a lot of time because Willie is like every 12 minutes, he has to be moved or entertained or fed or put to sleep, and then he wakes up six minutes later. So it's nonstop at this point. But uh, I've got this software that allows me to do live, real-time lip-sync animation. I'm familiar with this kind of stuff because I've done this kind of work for the last 15, 20 years. I thought by now they would have had something that was easier to use, but they don't. I mean, it's a pretty high-tech software. So anyway, I'm going to try to pipe 
Glenda's voice, which you know we hooked up to chat GPT through this animation, so I can do a split screen and have the animation talk in real time when we bring uh, Glenda onto the show. I think it'll be neat. Um, And then I told you I'm talking with a company now. I don't want to spend the money to get this talking head. Uh, It does real-time talking, so I can have Glenda sitting next to me in a chair. And um, so I'm trying to convince them to be a sponsor and to give me this talking head. It's pretty neat. We'll see what happens. I I figure, look, we're talking about technocracy and transhumanism and everything that is happening with these psychopaths, these scientists, these engineers, these technologists, programmers, software developers, the uh, guys in charge, the oligarchs like Peter Thiel and Elon Musk, and then the guys behind them, really the bankers, working to replace us. So I figure at the same time, I will embrace the AI and I will turn her into a co-host slash sidekick slash fact checker that's going to help us dismantle the plans of the technocracy because she can dig down into information yesterday when i was done with the show i was editing uh the video to get that up at pain.tv slash gold and so i decided to have a conversation with glenda into some research that i've been doing ongoing with connections between frank vanderlip a real high-end banker that helped with the formation of the Federal Reserve back in 1913 and his possible funding of Howard Scott, the founder and the guy who ran Technocracy Incorporated and the precursors to Technocracy Incorporated. And so I had found in the course of my research, and I presented it here at the Dustin Gold Standard, that Frank Vanderlip was seen on occasion glad-handing with Howard Scott and introducing him to top level folks. So I said, all right, I've kind of exhausted all of the information that I could find in my research, you know, using Google and search engines and such and all the PDFs I found. So I figured, let me ask Glenda, because I know what kind of questions to ask, obviously. I told you it's like litigating and you're a trial attorney and you're up there with the witness. And if you know the right questions to ask, you should be able to draw additional information, useful information out of the witness. If you get up there and just ask the witness questions, you know, in the blind, you don't know if they're telling the truth, if they're giving the full story, all the real information. So with Glenda, I had about a 45-minute conversation last night digging deep into Frank Vanderlip, and I found out some stuff that I didn't know. All right, because she's just pulling from data sets, basically, from the Internet. I mean, it's a little more complex, and we're going to break that down for you tonight. But that's essentially what's happening. So I used her as a research tool. And the next thing you know, she's giving me information that at one point, Howard Scott had actually written a letter telling his followers, the cult of technocracy, that Frank Vanderlip had actually written a $500 check to him in support of the technocracy movement. Now, Glenda went on to say that it had been challenged or folks had challenged Frank Vanderlip's role in supporting technocracy. But this is a big, big, big banker from the Jekyll Island crew, 
hanging out with Howard Scott, then we find out actually giving him money. And so then Glenda said, well, Technocracy Inc. was funded mainly by the members, but there were influential groups and folks that gave money. So then I asked Glenda, well, please expand on that. And we got additional information. So as a research tool, uh, I mean, it's there. It's available, folks. At this point, I'm going to make use of it, just like we're making use of the podcast platforms, the podcast syndication tools, majority of you are on social media or your members of pain.tv slash gold. We are fighting an information war. Um, not to not to step on Alex Jones's turf there. This is an information war here. Infowars.com. My name is Alex Jones. Uh, you you want to take the anti-globalist uh, foaming agent, drink that down, rub it all over your nipples, your testicles, and it will keep the globalists away. Infowars.com. Uh, not that information war, but it is an information war. Um, and we are fighting this ideological battle in my mind, uh, Theodore Kaczynski, I know Glenda wouldn't appreciate me saying this, but Theodore Kaczynski kind of framed it right. It's an ideological war between complete and total technocracy, a culture of technology, and uh, wild nature, returning to nature. And as he states, there's really no middle ground. And I've thought this through. It's, it's very difficult to create a scenario in your head excuse me folks i had to cough i have that alex jones uh gravel stuck in my throat um but no so it's it's a difficult thing to reconcile when you try to work it through and wargame it in your head to try to balance out where the sweet spot of having humanity nature human freedom be able to coexist in harmony with technology and it's difficult because every scenario that i war game technology comes out ahead technology ends up destroying humanity and nature um, so this is an ongoing conversation that we are going to have but in the meantime we have tools right i look at these things as tools if the majority of folks out there looked at these as tools versus looking at them as a way of life then we might not be in this situation but what i'm going to show you this evening is that all at one time here just magically we're supposed to believe it's organic all the major companies are rolling out these chat bots like uh, glenda they're rolling out artificial intelligence software for people to use, artificial intelligence video games. It's all coming out at one time. And so one of the things we're going to look at is the chatbot that's now going to be included and built into the phone. And what I fear is going to happen, and really the purpose of this, is that the chatbot, this first stage, of artificial intelligence being introduced to the consumers, you know, through this adoption campaign, will be that the chatbot replaces what we were propagandized into using over the last 20 years, which was the Google search bar. And now it will be replaced with a chat artificial intelligence. And so pretty soon, you're buying your kid a smartphone, you know, at six, seven, eight, ten 10 years old. Trust me, I know people that do it. 
and you're handing your kid this device that now has, I mean, as bad as it already was, but now it has a chatbot built into it. And so the phone, the device, the technology becomes the purveyor of truth, the ministry of truth to your child. It was bad enough, folks, over the last 20 years. You're sitting in the movies, I don't know, you're on a date, and the next thing you know, uh, the girl you're with, or if you're a woman, you're with a guy. You go, oh, that actor, I recognize him. What's his name? What's his name? Now, before, you would say, it's on the tip of my tongue. And you just wait. And eventually, halfway through the movie, you'd nudge the person and you go, I figured it out. That's John Wayne's cousin. You know, whatever it is. Well, now, you pull out your phone. You can't even wait a half a second. You can't let it sit on the tip of your tongue. You got to pull out the phone, Google the movie you're watching, open up the IMDb database, Internet Movie Database, open that up. Oh, there's the guy. Okay, click. Oh, here's all the movies he was in. Uh, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Up, up, comedy. Up, there it is. That's what I knew him from. He was from uh, Adventures to Mars Part 12. And, 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 you know, and that's, that's bad enough, folks. It leaves nothing to imagination. You just go right to your phone. That's the encyclopedia. That's the purveyor of truth. And now they will just have the ability for you, your child, your mother, whatever it may be, to interact faster with the Internet, with the encyclopedia, with our history, our culture, our literature, as the two 28-year-old Italian engineers who designed this new 65-story Lord of the Rings-looking data center that is coming at us shortly, right? They said these data centers store all of our history, all of our culture, everything. And so now your child, six, seven, eight years old, trust me, they'll be working this into the classroom very soon, within a matter of a year. Now they'll be told, instead of going to the library and looking things up in a Dewey Decimal System, which they've already gotten rid of, now you just look the books up on the computer, at least the last iteration I saw six, seven years ago, and it tells you what aisle the book is in. Well, now, instead of going to Google and having to type in a question or do some research, now you're just going to ask Glenda or Charles or Billy or... Vanessa, or whatever it is you're going to name your personal AI assistant. And you're going to say, who is this guy in the movie? And you're going to hold up your phone. It'll record 10 seconds of the movie. It'll recognize it because it's in the database, and it'll come back. And it will tell you whether that is right, whether that is wrong. It is the truth because the AI, driven through the phone, driven through the device, driven through the computer, becomes the purveyor of truth. And I've already shown you where chat GPT makes mistakes. And I wouldn't have known that unless I actually did the research myself. Now, one of the other things I've been testing over the last few days is sometimes I will have to reframe and I will have to keep digging. Just like if I was having a conversation with a person who was not completely truthful or maybe there's someone who doesn't really express themselves and so you have to keep digging for the answer until you get it from them i've had to do that with chat gpt but are they going to teach the kids that or is glenda now the ministry of truth 
which we should call her Glenda Mott, Ministry of Truth, because that is where we are moving. Folks, when I get back, I'm going to finish up what I ended with yesterday. We're going to finish up with the data centers real quick. I'm just going to show you some tools. And then we're going to show you how ChatGPT is built, the technologies behind it, and the other AI chatbots that are being rolled out. And then eventually, over the next couple days, I'm going to work us into all of the natural resources, the metals, and everything else that go in to building these data centers. Uh, I'll tell you why that's very important. When I get back from this short break, my name is Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on Payne.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold, and I forgot to mark the beginning of the um, episode, and I apologize for that. So this is episode 160, part one folks 160 part one this is segment two in part one but uh no one of the reasons why i think it's very important to go down the path that i have chosen to go down the last several episodes which is explaining to you how much data is collected uh how cloud computing works the next stages in cloud computing, the new technologies coming, the data centers, how all the data is housed. Um, it's important to understand this because, as I've said, this is this is the anatomy of the technocracy. All right, nothing they're building matters. The smart poles, the data sensors, the facial recognition cameras, none of that matters unless they can collect transmit house process and analyze all the data they're collecting in real time and as we know from some of the questions we ask glenda and research we've done on our own we knew the answer we have reached exponential growth of data of the actual data that they are collecting on us all right it was data the total data that existed in storage had doubled over the last two years, and it will only continue to speed up and multiply. And therefore, the actual data centers that they need to store it have also reached exponential growth. And so the data that they're collecting is only going to increase because one, we know, that right now, I mean, as of right now, roughly, there are two-thirds of humans using devices, you know, phones, tablets, and such. And out of those, roughly two-thirds are using some sort of cloud service. Now, the technocrats want to, and they need to, get that to 100%, pretty much on both fronts. And the reason why they need this is because they cannot run a complete and total technocratic control system and implement 
things like central bank digital currency unless everyone is on that system. Now, they can launch central bank digital currency in different areas, different countries, regions, districts, and run tests and pilots, but they want everyone on the same system. And so they have to continue to build out the uh, 5G, eventually it'll be 6G. Uh, I've got a great video. We're not going to do it tonight. I'm going to explain to you how uh, 5G works. I found someone who did a really good explanation, and they are way better at explaining it than I can. And so they need the internet everywhere, whether that be hardwired through fiber or whether that be done through the airwaves and then these 5G replicator panels and all this other technology. So that's what you're seeing go up. This is the infrastructure being built to connect everything. So as they increase the number of people, all right, connected to the, let's call it the technate, uh, which is basically they're aiming for a worldwide technate. The technate is the technocracy. All right. So as they connect everyone up to the technate, one, they're collecting more data from those people. Those people are processing more data as they are using devices and software and they get introduced to their new connection to the internet. And then on top of it, they're collecting more data from me and you, people already connected to the internet, because they're adding new sensors and smart poles and devices. They want you on the internet more time out of the day when you're working from home or your children are going to school remotely or whatever it may be, or you're using a smart TV or you have smart products in your house. So our data footprint becomes bigger every day. And then the overall data footprint grows because they're adding more people to the technate, right? So they have to store the data. It physically has to be stored. So as of right now, it's going into the data centers that we've uncovered. You know, the floating barges, the land warehouses, the underground bunkers, the skyscrapers, and now the tests that they're doing to bring servers and quantum computing into space, on the moon, on Mars, in the air. Uh, This is what they're attempting to do because eventually, technically, theoretically, they will run out of space if they keep having to house data in the way they are. Now, we went over some technologies yesterday um, they're working on, and then there's also hardware they're working on to shrink down the size of the actual chips where the data are stored. They're working on something called DNA storage. They have some other technology that we'll get into hopefully tomorrow. So it begins to solve their problem of the size of the physical space, right? Because what I'd love to be able to do, and you know they have this, I just haven't seen anyone else talk about it or figure it out. There has to be a formula, right? That says each person connected up, let's say the average person using their devices um, daily in a certain way, creates X amount of data, and that data takes X amount of physical space to store and that takes x amount of actual energy you know electricity created by as we know the main drivers are natural gas nuclear uh even coal in some places we know they're trying to add solar windmills uh, biofuels hydro but that's not a big portion of it yet 
Uh, but they have to have a formula for this. So the way I've been talking about it over the last few days with friends of mine in private chat who follow the show and also do their own research, we've been talking about this. And I said, they have to have this formula somewhere. They know at what point they will run out of physical space or they can't build servers and warehouses fast enough that they can no longer house all the data or they can no longer process and analyze the data in real time. So you know they figured this out. I mean, after all, they are building a giant computer. That's all this is. It's a giant computer that reaches every end of the earth. And then it's basically cables like you'd find inside your computer connected. Think of the uh, floating barge that we went over. This floating barge data center that acts as a hard drive for a smart city. They dock it in a port. They connect it up. The city is then collecting all sorts of data being generated by the smart city. It's being stored on this barge, which is a data center, which is a collection of hard drives and routers and stuff, but hard drives store the data. And once you fill that up, you dock another ship next to it, another barge, just like stacking your hard drives at home. If you're someone who does a lot of video editing, graphics work, whatever, you have multiple here. I'll show you. I always pull out the hard drive, but I have multiple drives. So here's a drive. Here's a drive. Whenever I run out, I keep buying more drives. Right in this pile here, I have seven drives, and then I have this new 18 terabyte drive I got. Now, to show you how big this is, every single day that I record this show in video format and audio, then I take the show into Adobe Premiere where I edit. I cut out the commercial breaks. I edit that and I render it actually as a very small file for pain.tv slash gold. That's the way Mike likes to put it out. So then I have my Adobe Premiere file. Then I have the version for Mike. I have the raw video, the audio. Then I take the raw audio. I convert that into parts, which I upload to um, megaphone which syndicates it out to apple and amazon and everywhere else and then since i've been creating second versions for youtube uh, rumble and bitshoot that we're about to start putting out i have other versions every day just from the show i'm generating 15 gigabytes of data all right 66 days it makes up one terabyte that's 5.5 terabytes in a year that I'm creating just from this show and the dust and gold nugget in three years, my 18 terabyte drive for $500 is going to be full. Well, what am I going to have to do? Buy another one and hook that up. Well, can I take the other one offline? No, I still need to access stuff on it. So now I have the equivalent of two floating barges sitting there and every three years I'll have to get another one. Now, as time goes on, and video gets better, the size of the files increase. So I need more storage space. So if all of a sudden I'm recording the show in 4K instead of in 1080, right, it'll double the size. Now every one and a half years, I'm going to need an 18 terabyte drive. Well, that's what's happening in these smart cities. That's what's happening around the planet. They're collecting more data. As the video gets better on their facial recognition, the files get larger, they need more space. And so the idea is to keep bringing these floating docks in, plugging them in like Legos, like external hard drives, and they can keep 
collecting more data, collecting more data. But they can't get rid of the old barges because they need the data forever. They want to create a log, a history of the world from when they started doing this. So these are basically giant external hard drives that they need to collect and process the data. We haven't even got into the processing and the analyzing of the data yet. We haven't even talked about that yet. That's also what uses a hell of a lot of energy. So these guys know if or at what point they are going to run out of energy. So I do tend to believe that some of the methods, although it is a grift in a sense, that they are working on, uh, collecting you know, solar, windmills, whatever, they might not have all the natural resources to build it, but they are working on replacements for those resources. They are working on ways to get around lithium and cobalt and nickel. They're working on graphene oxide technology. Uh, the majority of the chips are made using silicone, which is silicon, which is really sand that's refined, but they use a lot of energy to do that. So these guys know, the technocrats know, that to run a prison planet, prison yard, you know, technological system, they need energy, they need physical space, they need resources to be able to run it, right? And they're going to run out of space. So part of what I think might be in their equation, sadly, is what we've heard about for many, many years, whether it be on the Georgia Guidestones or whether it be comments that Bill Gates has made, whether it be stuff that Henry Kissinger has written about, whether it be any of these madmen who have talked about depopulation. So if you're looking at this formula that says the amount of people and then the amount of people connected to the internet and the amount of data each person produces then takes X amount of physical space, let's say per year inside of a data center, and X amount of energy to process their data, analyze their data in real time, we are going to run out of space or run out of resources or run out of energy by X date. Well, we're going to build our prison planet. We're not going to stop. We want to control and have power over everyone who lives inside of our electronic prison yard. Well, what do we have to lower? What do we have to bring down in order to make that happen and to slow down the growth of the data we're collecting? Well, that would be the number of humans on the planet. Ladies and gentlemen, think about that. I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. 